podcasting. Podcasting. <clears throat> podcasting. <laughs> I had to get yours in too, huh? I had to mess up your rhythm is what I wanted. I'm gonna fucking laser fingers you. <laughs> Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> I put the S there so that it wouldn't be a euphemism. Did it work? Did it work? Didn't even slightly work. You knew that wouldn't work. Because when you said it, I was like, lol. <laughs> I'm a child. I'm the zoomed in cropped face of Han Solo from the cover of Air to the Empire. <laughs> And welcome back to <laughs> War. <laughs> it's the War in Our Stars. We're not reading the fucking Back to War. We're what not if we doing didn't it. Go back to War. I took a break because I needed to, because my workload was wild, um, and also I didn't want to read the Back to War, and uh, so I didn't. You could pay us to read the Back to War, but like the number is big. I don't know. It's not that big. I'll read. The, like I'll read big. the rest of X Wing, but only for Patreon stuff. If people actually want it, yeah, they can pay for it, and then I'll do it. But otherwise, yeah. I'm going to move on to read the good books. Like if somebody wants to pay both of our rent, yeah. we'll read the Back to War. <sighs> and when I say the good books, I still, you know, <laughs> it's fine. You mean the Bible. <laughs> yes, you should introduce yourself. So Genesis to us. is our first book. <laughs> I'm Nora. I'm joined by two <sighs> furtive <Whoa>. little gremlins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two wild I... cards. <laughs> um, Autumn. Hi, that's me. Jackson. Hello. We're here to do uh, a podcast about Heir to the Empire by Kimberly Zahn. Um, which means that the next two episodes you hear will be us back again at Krispy Kreme, uh, reading, I believe, Dark Force Rising in the Last Command. Yes. Those are the two. Yeah. There you go. The Throne Trilogy. Uh, Let's hope- The Throne Trilogy. Let's hope that our, our, our boy Tim can he hit like a higher batting order than, um, <laughs> batting average than what's-his-face, Michael Stackpole. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't like that his name, his name is like- the first part of a sentence, like Michael, a stackpole. What? Go- oh, <laughs> Michael, comma, a stackpole. I, so- I, I I had to like take a second, as if I were like a Sega CD spinning up, <laughs> <laughs> to try to figure out what the fuck you meant there. Oh, it was pretty obvious. <laughs> so before we get into the book proper, I just want to briefly touch on like, I don't think like as a stylist or like a you know, any of that stuff. I don't think Timothy Zahn is good. I don't think he's, like, a good novelist. But he does absolutely, on every front, outclass Michael Stackpole. It's yes. ridiculous. Yeah. He's so much better at this than Stackpole was. Uh, so usually we do our little five-sentence summary of the book. Who wants to take a crack at this one? 
I've read this book twice, and I don't think I could summarize this book for you. All right, Jackson, give us your best. No, 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 You will die. I think we could do a collaborative effort here. So it is five years after the Battle of Endor. The New Republic has moved into Coruscant. Yeah. Where we open into the Imperial Center, and Luke Skywalker's a bit like, I advised against this. but. Anyway, I guess they're here now. You've got to say, the view is nice. you got to respect the troops. <laughs> the, stati- <laughs> the status quo of our uh, three main characters, Luke is kind of like just vibing, I guess. Like, Luke is Luke vibing. Does not, Han is Luke like, does not have it going along. Five sentence summary out the fucking window. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, right. I forgot that part of the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, let me start again. Uh, <laughs> Thrawn is a Grand Admiral of the Empire who is sick of this shit. (laughs) Yes. He has developed a master plan to get the Empire back its former power that it has lost in the five years since the Battle of Endor. This plan includes multiple brain genius moves of race science and MacGuffins as he goes to find a made-up species that I remember from the Jedi Knight games as a temporary <laughs> bubble power-up that protects me from the Force powers. Uh, that, how do you pronounce your Salamari? Is it just your Salamari? Islamari. Islamari, okay. I guess now, do the, now, now do the wolves. Oh, gosh. <laughs> There's one vowel in that word, <laughs> not where you want it. Wait, how do you spell this? Vornskurs. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Nogri. Yeah, I thought you were oh, Nogri. That's the other made up. That's yeah. The, other... <laughs> uh. the Nogri, by the way, if you look up what they look like. I was three sentences in. <laughs> he is, yeah. He fi- finds a, a, a Salamari uh, to find like to protect him from the force because they create like force bubbles puts it next to him and then sets about manipulating a surviving jedi uh your okay right joris well how was it pronounced in your book because i say joris about but it's not joris sabayoth (laughs) there's there's no because there's not an a there there is, but it's later. Not in, the in word. that place. It's not Sabayoth. That's not what the word says. Druus Sabayoth. I really like uh, that. Uh... All right, we can get into Druus Sabayoth's deal momentarily. We have we now failed this five cent summary twice over. <laughs> he has a. He's going to use his... Thorns like I. Right, okay, right. Sabayoth says I want. Uh, Leia's kids. I want Leia's kids because they're like super. Pre- she's super pregnant. That's her one personality trait in this book. Yeah, she's mega prego. Is uh, tag someone who's always waking up pregnant. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so he's like, uh, this one's like, yeah, you can ha- you can you know raise the children to form a new dark side, whatever. But you got to help me like f- make the empire happen first because duh, I'm uh, you know I'm doing a lelouch here. <laughs> do what I do what I say. He uh, is doing all this. Oh, this isn't even getting to fucking uh, Mara Jade's involved. Uh, <clears throat> this culminates in basically a slapstick chase through a forest that takes up a third of the book as it everyone uh, arrives around uh, 
uh, Talon Card, who is the um, like a smuggler's headquarters, and keeps like arriving right when the other ones left the screen. <laughs> uh, Luke and Mara Jade end up together because she works for Talon Card, uh, escaping. Um, it ends up like nothing culminates in this time other than the reveal that uh, uh, she's the Emperor's hand. Everyone kind of just gets away because of the uh, conclusion of the book is later, uh, like the conclusion of the trilogy is later. Uh, the, a- the actual fight at the end of this book is at uh, Lando's mining operations. And Thrawn almost wins, but then Luke gets there and then they win. And hooray, the day is saved. But what's that? <laughs> it's a cliffhanger ending! <laughs> Admiral Akbar has been arrested. Also, no, the final battle is at the shipyards. Yes. Because the the fight at Lando's mining operations is earlier in the book. Right. Oh, right. Yes. Because they steal the the, Yes. Because they steal the books. Um, (laughs) I did it a week ago and I've done a whole other podcast. this, This book has too many moving parts for as anticlimactic as it is. <laughs> not, like, I know the summary was bad, and part of that is on us. <laughs> we did not do a good job of summarizing what but, happens in this book. But also, like, just a bunch of stuff happens, and, like... <sighs> there, there are three main factions in this book. Um, the New Republic, Thrawn's, like, Imperial Remnant, and Talon Card's pirates. We'll get to Talon Card in a moment. And, like, I think what Zahn is going for is like, oh, you're going to get all these factions bouncing off against each other, and it's going to be really cool and, like, culminating in things. And I'm going to jump around between, like, a bunch of different POV characters to, like, give you all the different sides of this conflict. But the book ends in a... A third of the book is a weird slapstick chase through a forest. Slash meet cute. Yeah, slash meet cute. <laughs> um, because... Timothy Zahn was like, I call dibs on the evil <laughs> horny redhead. No one else can make an evil horny redhead in Star Wars. That's it for the EU. And everyone's like, mm-hmm. I don't know of any other evil horny redheads. What are you fucking EU? talking about? <laughs> Uh, look up uh, uh, fucking Tarkin's girlfriend. She uh, Tarkin's Dala? who? Is it is it Dala? Oh, she's, she's not redhead. Redhead. She's not a redhead. Okay. Well, she might be sometimes redhead. She is sometimes redhead. Artist. Okay. Yes, she is sometimes redhead, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the artist. But I don't count that. Um. The what was I gonna say? The other uh, character that he introduces is Talon Card, who is Timothy Zahn had a huge fucking brain and decided, what if instead of Jabba the Hutt, we made like a charming smuggler character be the villain? But he was also dumb as hell. <laughs> and then every single guy who wrote any Star Wars anything since then is like. I'm going to also put a charming smuggler character in my thing. <laughs> I know at some point they introduced uh, Talon Card's boss, which is hilarious because this whole book's about how he doesn't have a boss. <laughs> I think it's his boss. I don't remember exactly, but it is George Lucas. They put George <laughs> yeah, Lucas in the Lucas. EU. Yes. <clears throat> we'll, we'll meet him someday. But um, basically... I think the intent was, here's a third faction. I'm not going to just give you another Empire Rebel, mm-hmm. like, situation. <laughs> um, here's, like, a third faction to shake things up. 
Because Han is like a smuggler. He can have like yeah. underworld connections. Um, so it's a very weird and... I don't want to say convoluted, but it is... It's convoluted by accident, like your headphones get tangled up, not yeah. like intricate. Yeah, yeah. Like, because it is also a book that, like, like I feel uncharitable toward this book because, like, the other books I read are the fucking like Cosmere books that are also doing this same like high fantasy, like multiple POV, multiple factions thing. But um, those are books for like adults and this is a book for 10 year olds and i'm sure that if i was 10 reading heir to the empire i'd be like this is the sickest shit in the world it's not for 10 year olds because there's the other star wars books that are really for real for 10 year olds yeah well yeah this this is for Um, i would say 13 there is a like dumb guy energy to specifically the thrawn scenes in this book which i are my favorite stuff in the book because it's the only time in any star wars thing i've watched or read ever in history where someone's tried to actually tell a story about a war in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. In he's the, the only, he's in the, the like, only the guy about... whose like tactics exist. Right, yeah. Thrones has like tactics. This is like me uh, watching Code Gears at 14 and being like, holy shit, it's a story about then they move their forces in and he moves his forces behind them. Whoa! And also, because it's Star Wars, it's going to get about the Star Wars spice. Uh, uh, it's all done through the lens of race science. <laughs> <laughs> also, I read the audiobook for this. Mm-hmm. And if they have it, unabridged for the other two i'll probably do that too they do which i didn't see on audible but well i have them on my phone and i can get you some mp3s so let me just run down some of the casting choices that uh the narrator made with his mouth Uh uh, (laughs) characters um this is the same guy who narrated light of the jedi which he narrates a lot of star wars good Um, gig if you can get it and he's had it for 20 years so um, but he's way less, what's the word, um, overacting in this one compared to yeah, well, some parts the, of... Light of the Jedi stuff is so, like, well, this is our first thing, so we've got to put all the, like, sound effects and everything in. Oh, that's just Star Wars audiobooks. That's, that, they all do that. They all have music. They all have the sound effects. They all have modulated voices for different, for, like, droids <laughs> and stuff. But it's much less drawing in Heir to the Empire than it is in Light of the Jedi. It was like, I felt embarrassed. I will say the Light of the Jedi, his Wookiee voice is way better. Yes, his Wookiee voice in this is... No, go ahead. Hello. Hello. I'm a Wookiee. I'm a Wookiee. But but the difference difference being that in Light of the Jedi, he doesn't add the extra... I'm a Wookiee. He just says, hello. <laughs> and it's still, like, kind of goofy, but, like, by the end of Light of the Jedi, it was fine. Like, Briaga's fine. Every I'm time he voices Lando, it feels a little bit racist. He does just try to do, like... He does... He's trying to do a Billy D. Williams voice, but it comes off as him trying to do a cool black guy voice, and it's... Mm. He, he <laughs> like, is constantly walking a line between Harrison Ford and Patrick Warburton. <laughs> With the Han Solo lines. Like, there's a couple of lines where the delivery is just right. Uh-huh. And then there's a lot of times where it's just like, you're just the, the fucking gym teacher from Kim Possible right now. <laughs> um, also, Talon Card is uh, sort of a suave Latin guy. Yeah. Uh, 
which is just I don't know where that comes from in the text. It might have just been uh, what's his name? Who's the Mark narrator? Thompson? Mark Thompson. That might have just been like him. It might have been an original. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Mara Jade is a kindergartner. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> oh <not>. shit! <laughs> she is extremely mad. Uh, she I'm talks th- like this because she's mad and she hates Luke Skywalker and his stupid sexy ass. His Luke's all right, though. I think. Yeah, he does a good Luke. Oh, I feel like if you're gonna do Star Wars books, guy. you. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, okay. Can I feel like we're bouncing all over the place? Can we talk about Luke in this book? Because, like, oh, the hero of the book. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, um, I guess. What do you want to do? Talk about the events? Fuck that. <laughs> We've well, never no, been about that on this podcast. Uh, no, I just want to talk about Luke for a second because, like, he's boring <laughs> in this book. Yes. Like, he doesn't do a whole lot, I, I feel think like. that will change in the next ones a little bit. Yes. But, yeah. but um, the, the thing that was... So, I first read this book in January because I didn't think we were going to talk about Early Empire for, like, a year after you finished um, uh, the X-Wings Ten stuff. X-Wings books. <laughs> Um, so I just went ahead and read it, um, because I was curious about it, uh, and I was like, this is kind of Luke Skywalker, I guess. And then I read that scene at the end of the third X-Wing where Luke shows up, where he's, like, not recognizably Luke at all. He's, like, Mm -hmm. a different fucking person. And I'll say that, like, I think Zahn more or less gets Luke right, which, like, I didn't know was, like, a thing I could detect in my brain. Like, I did... Because Luke Skywalker is such a blank slate person. But so there are like, those little pieces of Luke Skywalker that are very specific. Yes. And, like, I think <clears throat> Zahn mostly, like, understands who Luke is at the end of Return of the Jedi. And, like, gets that right. Which it feels like, you know, I'm... Feels like... Should not be a big deal, but apparently is because I've read more EU stuff and they, they just don't get Luke right. <laughs> I mean, sometimes like, they just yeah. As the book goes, especially into the Mara Jade stuff, it gets very, very silly. Um, it's, yeah, because it's just Luke Skywalker vibing <laughs> while being uh, technically held captive by Mara Jade, and Mara Jade just stomping angrily <laughs> through the woods, pointing a gun at him and snapping at him at a moment's notice, and he's just like. All right, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think crucially, um, even though as the plot like as the plot kicks up and Luke basically has almost zero agency within it because of how it is structured as mostly being about Thrawn and then like Mara Jade, like, he has to be kind of a blank slate to allow Mara Jade's decision making about whether she's going to murder him to like take over, right? Um, mm-hmm. But there's the I think the fir- the very first chapter with Luke in it is really good. Um, when uh, he he starts out and he like gets a vision of um uh, Obi Wan, uh, who's like, uh, you know, I'm not going to be in this book <laughs> or any others. <laughs> actually, the ghost to live around forever, giving you advice in any situation. <laughs> Who would make that a law point in their universe? Goodbye. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally what he says. <laughs> It's like, I died years ago. It takes energy to come back. I must go on to the next phase. You won't see me again. Like, this is what it means. And, like, wisely being like, okay, we have to stop having Gus show up and explain everything. As opposed to later when this is a a specific technique that only people Qui-Gon talk can do. Well, only people that... It's... Whatever. Uh, And and um, so it, it starts out and, like, the main conflict there is 
he's being a sad sack weirdo <laughs> and Leia can sense it because it's obvious that he's being a sad sack weirdo and he's like oh don't tell them I'm Luke Skywalker I've just got to be the guy that's doing things and figure things out and everyone's like first of all you're not doing anything you're just kind of sitting around <laughs> um why what is the need for this front like uh which set, sets up a really interesting like dynamic with Leia that is unfortunately completely abandoned because this book forgets to have Leia be in charge of anything. Um, yeah, she, like her stuff goes into the Nogri, and um, she has like the Lady Vader scent, uh, and that's where that plot line ends up going, uh, which doesn't really like come up much in this book. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. The the Nogri being like, oh, you're Vader's daughter is like halfway to an interesting idea, I feel like, um, that I maybe will get picked up and be interesting in the next few books. Um, if you don't hear, somebody else will pick up that ball and try to run it in. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I think the first chapter with Luke is like good. And I was like, oh, you know what we didn't get a lot of in like Return of the Jedi or even Heir to the Empire is like, Luke and Leia being in the same scene together. Like, it happens sometimes, but, like, they don't often have, like, a plot line together. And so that's what I was hoping this book was setting up and doesn't quite deliver on. Yeah, most of those scenes, they just kiss. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, the book before this that existed was Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which (laughs) was um, written in 1978. Yes. Uh, Which is half Luke pining for Leia and half Luke, like, doing a weird force adventure and getting, like, tips and tricks from Ben Kenobi. It is one of the worst books <clears throat> I've ever read. Uh, the Light of the Jedi definitely outclassed it as far as bad books go. I want to read it, try to read it again at some point. But, but, but not, not as, like, the pilot episode of a podcast. Half of it is about Luke wanting to dick down Leia. Um... <laughs> I don't think we've said dick down on this podcast before, but we have now. Capcom cancelled that, actually. <laughs> Did they really? Yes. Should, should we touch on like the context that this book came out in? I just want to briefly go back to the first chapter yeah. thing again. Yeah, please. Wait, which which one? Which one first? You, want... you, you, yeah. you. Okay, uh, like, so, th- the thing in the first chapter is about um it's the second chapter but whatever the throne stuff we'll talk about that in a bit because that's much better (laughs) um is luke moping and leia being like why is my idiot brother moping um but the most interesting thing about this chapter obviously to us or at least to me Mm -hmm. is this is one of the first scenes in star wars history because of uh the ways in which movies are constructed and everyone's on the move and things are happening it is a a scene in which Luke talks to 3PO and the 3PO goes back to Leia and then like conveys Luke's feelings to Leia and they have a conversation through 3PO. It is the most striking scene of the droids are slaves in an emotional sense I've ever read. Like this is a they are talking to their property. <laughs> like the way in which they talk to 3PO to like, oh you go back to talk to him like then they're not asking their friend to pass on these messages, right? There is a there is a way they talk to the droids that is like, oh, it's a droid, he'll do what I say because I own him. <laughs> it's so much like the thing we talk about with Star Wars always, but it never comes up because it's usually people talking about fighting war or whatever. The ways in which they like, you know, it 
he's like help in this scene, right? Like he is literally mm-hmm. just around to do menial tasks and more importantly, fulfill emotional uh, roles that like they find too difficult in the middle of the night um, with no thought to like whether 3PO would be stressed, right? Because he's a robot. They don't think about it in that terms. And so I was like, oh no, red alert. <laughs> the, 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 the rot at the core of Star Wars is here in chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it throws into relief like that... <clears throat> The two things, like, one, that R2 gets treated a lot better than 3PO does, which is, like, always true, but, like, everybody's like, oh, R2, we love that guy, and everyone's always sick of 3PO. Remember they had the really sad goodbye scene for 3PO in Rise of Skywalker? (laughs) And then brought him back two minutes later. Anyway, um, but also, this book makes it clear that the reason that everybody loves R2 is not that he's a funny little guy, but because he's a really good (laughs) X-Wing. Like, he interfaces with the computer so good, and his capacity to, like, be helpful is the reason that R2 gets all the special treatment that he does. You know? It sucks. (laughs) It sucks. It's a weird, like, unintentional thing of, like, you're supposed to wipe your droid's memory. Right, mm-hmm. you're supposed to wipe your ship, but it's more efficient to let the droid be a kind of a person, a little mm-hmm. bit, to let the droid keep its memory and develop a personality. That makes it more efficient at a specific thing, so it's okay that R two is more, has more personhood because it's more efficient that way. But also, everybody's mad that R two has more personhood. <laughs> Everyone who meets him for the first time is like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, also, it can't be stressed enough that in the scene, Leia's talking to uh, 3PO, right? And then she turns away and then immediately starts talking to Winter, who is a new character who they've never mentioned before. And it's like basically, at least in this first scene, introduced as like her servants. I don't think yes. that's... <laughs> And it's so it's so weird. Like, what's happening here with the dynamics of what it means? Because I mean, this is being written in a world like where the only Star Wars is Star Wars, and so like Leia's a princess, right? Like, we don't have. They've mentioned the Senate. They've mentioned this stuff, but the the like specific vision of Star Wars as a direct parallel for like American liberalism has not been codified yet, right? Well, and that's funny because Winter has been in the other books we've read on the podcast. Right, that's what I mean. Like, I it forgot. goes on and she's, like, an important character. Um, yeah, I don't know. She's, like, Tycho Selchu's friend who's, like, sticking up for him when he's about to go on trial and all that. And that's where they meet her. But, like, it was weird because she just is also here. And it <clears throat> really points out how much stuff... Uh, Stackpole just was like just taking from the Thrawn trilogy to try and like hook his shit into Star Wars. Reading (laughs) this, it's like, you know how everything in uh, the Stackpole books is like, if they mentioned it in Star Wars, it's like the biggest lore point imaginable. You can't have... He's actually done that for these books as well. It's just not clear if you haven't read them. (laughs) Like they're always talking about the Katana fleet. Yeah. They're always talking about, like, Borsk Falia and how troublesome he is. Mm-hmm. And um, Stackpole is the one who makes it a, like, 
canonical racial trait of Corellians that they hate hearing what odds are, right? (laughs) That's not from Thrawn, that's from Stackpole. That's Stackpole. That's one of the most (laughs) baffling things I've ever heard in my life. What have you done? (laughs) Um, so, because I I think, I don't remember, you two have both read all three of these books, right? No, I've only read this one. I have. I'm being very, I'm like talking around a bunch of stuff. Okay, so I'm going to say something and you you just can't say anything for a second. I, as soon as Winter walks into the, walks into the book for the first time, Leia is like, yeah, it would be really like the, the other uh, officials in the New Republic government would be really upset if they found out that somebody had, um, that Winter could like perfectly recall every conversation she's ever had in her life. Like everybody would be really upset if they found that out. Um, and I see new character we've never met before that's apparently Leia's best friend and has perfect recall. I'm like, oh, if there's a spy in the New Republic, it's her. That's her. <laughs> she's a mega spy. <laughs> I don't think she is, but... <laughs> yeah, see, the thing that threw me off was you saying that she's Tycho Seltzer's best friend. And, like, Tycho yeah. Seltzer's whole deal is that he's actually not the spy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that, she's that's what I would think as well. If I see someone who is, like, that suspicious, I'm like, they're definitely not the spy. <laughs> <laughs> um... <clears throat> but Admiral Akbar does get arrested at the end of this book, so, so you know, we're gonna get some fucking, you know, interminable rebel indoor politics drama um hey um how would you like to listen to an audiobook where somebody's doing an akbar no! voice in multiple <laughs> chapters <laughs> um for me the promise that the next book is going to have um like inside like baseball like politicking between the new republic people is an in- sorry about the sirens everybody is an interesting idea until you remember that um these are star wars books and like luke leia han and akbar will always be right and everybody else will be the bad guys and it makes the like politicking less interesting it's not it's even because, the- like oh you go i've been dominating i was just gonna say that like we've seen star wars politicking in x-wing and it's borsk failure saying some <laughs> dumb shit and then a bunch of people sitting around like he doesn't get what it's like to be a soldier <laughs> i think that these books have a really interesting relationship to politics uh to like capital p politics like not not necessarily like ideas right like the but politicians making decisions and everything in that the way that i'm like, not getting into future stuff because obviously this runs through three books um but the way that luke Leia, and han are like immediately positioned are they are deliberately placed outside of the centers of power even though leia is should be one of the most important people in the like important and influential people in the whole galaxy uh but she's always just off to the side she's like oh i i've been doing it like i'm running the government and i'm helping out but i'm not like you know making the broad calls uh mm-hmm. and everyone has this view of politics of like oh i hate paul i hate when politics stops things getting done they're all saying anakin's things they're all yes. Anakin's, yes. <laughs> giving the well, speech about how they should be made to because they think that like bureaucracy <laughs> is inherently bad well leo didn't run the rebellion mon mothma did so mm-hmm. i guess 
Mon Mothma is the space president. Yeah, Mon Mothma just like wins space president by default at the beginning of it, like before I the guess beginning of this. If book. you do a revolution, you kind of win the election by default. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the Mon Mothma stuff is weird because she's like in the last movie for about four seconds, um, yeah, and yeah. is retroactively become this important character when um, Leia was like performing those functions in the story mm-hmm. beforehand. Um, because, like, in Empire, people are, like, talking to the princess, right? They're talking to they're talking to Leia uh, as they're doing the evacuation. Um, but that's not how she's framed in um, right. Jedi, because they want her to be on the action scene. They want someone else to give the, like, exposition. And I think this decision for this book specifically is its biggest flaw. Like, not just this book, this whole trilogy. I think this, like, kneecaps the entire thing. Because the thing that Thrawn is good at... Well, the thing that these books are good at with Thrawn is making the like broad baby's first tactics the like movement of the plot. Thrawn has an idea; he moves his fleet into this position, and then we have to wait for everyone to react. There is no one in the rebel side who performs that role, and they have characters that do perform that role, uh, but they're not main characters. Leia should be in that role! It should be like yeah. Leia versus Thrawn having a big Star Wars situation. It's Star Wars! <laughs> <laughs> or, like, you can... To some extent, you can put Akbar in that position, but Akbar gets tied up in this, like, oh, these damn bureaucrats and, like, you know, opposing political parties or like... And how nobody wants Akbar to be a main character because he talks like this! <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants an audiobook with a main character who talks like this! <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair, they don't think about that when they write the book books. I'm always thinking about it anytime anybody mentions Akbar. <laughs> totally right because like you cut away from um like the new republic just failing to get anything done and you go back to whatever thrawn and um pelion are doing and it's just like getting shit done constantly like every chapter they're in they're like we've accomplished another thing on our to-do list you know like but what does but what does it mean thrawn (laughs) well (laughs) <laughs> giving so like the classic comparison is that like Thrawn is Sherlock and uh Pelion is Watson mm-hmm. but like it's really good because having Thrawn do some stupid genius guy shit um and then having somebody else being like I don't understand your galaxy brain shit my lord <laughs> it's great <laughs> it works every time I love the thing it. about it I love the scenes in the audiobook Thrawn is Lysanderoth yes that he's that's just less like good. This ah, poison is the sweetest. <laughs> that's disappointing. I can't even. I think the thing that's like best about Thrawn in this book, um, and like the 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 stuff that like uh, I think drives the Thrawn a plan thing is uh, Timothy Zahn is definitely a guy who's like watched movies and got really mad when like the villains like really shitty to his henchmen for like no game right mm-hmm. like, it's like mm-hmm. no when i make a villain he the way he acts shall be logical he won't like start killing his henchmen for no reason he'll treat his men well because he's got a goal and etc etc so there's no like sinister undertones to thrawn's like um demeanor it's all 
uh, in the like the aims. The things are bad because he is like an imperial <laughs> trying to resurrect an empire, not because he's shitty to the guys around him. And so I think it does a really good job of like portraying the like banal relationship of these two kind of like weird imperial men, uh, Pelé mm. and just being like a buttoned up, uh, basically, you know, classic British Im- imperial man that is in every Star Wars movie. We love him. Uh and then Thrawn being like the guy who gets it done to explain things to him. Uh, it's fantastic. I know in the future that Palayan is like seen as the good Imperial because whenever Star Wars fans see something they enjoy, they morally think, oh, this must be good because they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> the book opens on like some, I'm going to say extremely good. And what I mean is like amusing and entertaining to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like the book opens on Pelian monologuing or or not monologuing thinking to himself about how the empire used to be so great and now all these damn kids are like undisciplined running around my ship yelling and because all the cool guys died at endor yeah and like i i i think star wars fans read that and like oh look it's humanizing the imperial faction and to me it's like oh, look, all these Imperials just think they're so fucking cool all the time, these fucking dumbasses. This that scene specifically also... <laughs> is, like, about how um, the reason the Imperials all got owned by these, like, few battles is because they were so competing with each other in their careerist path to become the cool guy that they were all on the ship that got blown up. Yeah! Uh, it's, like, so really funny. good characterization for the kind of stupid uh, thinking that, like, leads into fascist structures. Um, I think it's, like, some of the most genuinely, uh, you know, uh, considered world-building when it comes to the Imperials, which is, let's say, a low bar in terms of Star Wars <laughs> Expanded Universe stuff. Um... <laughs> the the two hilarious there are two hilarious things here which is one that yeah like they're all com- they're all like on their careerist um like trajectories which puts them all on the same superstar destroyer that vader's on that gets blown up but the other funny part about that is that pelion also acknowledges in a lot of scenes like it's really nice working for somebody who's not going to choke me to death at a moment's notice like vader would have every (laughs) single scene he's like he expected him thrown to explode in rain to order a retaliatory strike but no order came Uh and it's like yeah, we get it. Vader like choked that guy in Empire, and it was sick. The other, that was pretty sick. the other thing that's really funny. <laughs> he about- says apology accepted. <laughs> the other thing that's really, really funny about the Pelian scene at the very start of the book is that as because you know Star Wars audiobook, um, it's got all the music and sound effects. As he is reflecting on how great the Empire used to be, they play the same, like, the the Force theme, like, the yeah. theme of Luke no! staring out at the twin suns. <laughs> and so it makes Pelion the protagonist of the book. You know, <laughs> I actually think that's, like, secretly genius once you bring the prequels in, but I know they don't mean that. <laughs> What if the Force theme is, like, a harbinger of uh, terrifying hegemony? <laughs> Like, I, because I started to hear music, I was like, oh, they're going to play the the Imperial March here, you know, the Empire song, as he reflects about how cool the Empire used to be, but no, it's the Force theme, the, the protagonist song. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so do we want to talk about where this book came from? Yeah, Timothy Zahn wrote it. 
It was published by Delray Books. Uh, It was actually published by Bantam Spectra. Damn it! (laughs) Uh... So this book comes out during what Dave Filoni says on this page um, is the dark time when there weren't any more movies. Mm-hmm. That's um, not true. You can, uh, Dave, you can go to the cinema in 1991. <laughs> you can watch Reservoir Dogs. <laughs> Dave Filoni has absolutely watched Reservoir Dogs. Well, yes. No, obviously Dave Filoni has watched Reservoir Dogs many times. <laughs> um, so this book is basically... The thing that Star Wars was that was recent at the time is the tabletop RPG from West End Games. And that RPG kind of invented a ton of stuff for it to provide the world. Because if you're going by the movies, you have like six planets to work with. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you have all of the toys, all the toys from the movies with all the different aliens and you can like piece together like all of those aliens have to come from a world right and then so this like this not lore bible but like basically like collection of stuff gets invented for this rpg and it is like the is i guess um is it lucasfilm who owns What's the the company? I assume so. Whatever it is. When Timothy Zahn is like hired to write this book, this trilogy, he's given the set of the RPG with all of its like supplements and all of its like world building to help him bring all of that into a narrative like like a book mm-hmm. in form rather than in like an encyclopedia. And so this introduces just a ton of stuff that um was was only in like the the rpg and it's kind of like the point from which the rest of the expanded universe is all built on yeah um which is part of why it has the reputation that it has Mm-hmm. And I remember a long time ago in a guy far, far away. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, when people would talk about like, oh, I wonder if they're going to go back and do seven, eight, and nine now that they've done one, two, and three, because you know George always wanted to make nine movies. Nobody was saying George at the time. Uh, no, that's just me. <laughs> um, we pe- know him. A lot of people that I like talked to and hung out with always wanted this trilogy to be the sequel trilogy, and I just think. That would have been dog shit. <laughs> I don't think that this story is that interesting visually to be like a movie yeah. trilogy. No, I mean yeah. that's why and I you like split it as a book. up. You split up the main three characters. I think one of the big problems with this book structurally is that like so many of the characters are doing different things on like different fucking planets mm-hmm. at all times, and I kind of wish like. Luke, Leia, and Han were all three in the same room more than once. You know? Yeah, so my point being that, like, this is what a lot of Star Wars fans consider to be, like, the gold standard of the yeah. Star Wars, like, storytelling. And, yeah, it... Leia is kind of just written out of the book, and then it feels like later he was like, oh, I should go back and add in what she was doing during all this, and wrote two chapters. yeah. It's so, like, they so quickly glaze over what she's doing in Kashyyyk. And it's like, 
not that Granted, interesting. she's not doing a lot, but that's the choice you made. Yeah. It's like, okay, if you don't want to show Leia's scenes because Leia's doing boring stuff, I would simply rewrite the plot to have Leia do cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> or, and I, I understand why they can't do this, because the, the, like to make the sequel to Star Wars, you have to have Luke, Han, and Leia. You have to have them all in this book. But uh, aside from Luke... Um, they don't matter. <laughs> like <laughs> Luke's the Jedi, and so matters in as much as like he is central to uh, Sabaoth's plans. I can't every time it's about. <laughs> um, I thought it was Joris Kaboth. Kaboth, you, you're Did both so valid. It's a fake Star Wars word. You That's can say so it how true. you want. Kaboth, you know these nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he's talking to Kabotha, and, um, like, <laughs> so, but he's only important because of an element that, like, Thrawn brings in. Like, Thrawn goes and gets the mouth, uh, and he's like, I bring me the Jedi, and, uh, Thrawn's like, I, whatever. <laughs> uh, as long as you keep doing battle, capital letters, battle, Battle meditation. As long it's as a you... skill you can level up and get in the RPG, <laughs> and now it's crucial to the plot of Star Wars. Oh, that yeah, that that comes from the game. Okay, that makes sense because I think of it as a Kotor thing. <laughs> yes, which is, is from this is from that. Yeah. yeah. God, they really did get. They made a TTRPG <laughs> of the fucking law bible for Star Wars, and that's why battle meditation matters. Ah, oh, this is so stupid. Um, <laughs> it's also the the one where I could really feel because you told me about the RPG stuff before. The, where I could really tell is like him explaining to R two, "No, I'm going into Jedi rest state or whatever it is." <laughs> in- <laughs> This is a skill that I put five points into. So yeah, <laughs> it, the the Jedi hibernation. Yeah, and then later on, uh, Talon Card is like, "Oh, he must be dead by now." Um, destroy what's left. Destroy what's left of them. And Thrawn is like, "Ah, but you've forgotten that a Jedi can enter into meditation." <laughs> The other but, thing it has in common with tabletop stuff, as I was like saying about the, like the way that the, like the characters don't matter in the plot, is yes, it has the energy of a tabletop campaign because the villains move everything forward. It is the GM yes. only characters that do anything. All of the things they do are like delicately plotted out, have a lot of cause and effect, are like the the <laughs> thing that holds everything together. Uh, but the like player characters, the main characters of the book, have just like going around doing situations, fighting some guys in a jungle. <laughs> oh, Han yeah. Solo says, "I'm gonna go." talk to that guy and then that goes wrong and then he's like yeah well i'm gonna go talk to that guy (laughs) you've crystallized so much you're this is a like bad gm's campaign (laughs) and also um oh did you like that scene in star wars uh the empire strikes back when like han goes to see lando and they, like, don't want to talk to him. And he's like, just put Lando on. Tell Lando that I'm coming to see him. Well, that that's just in the book. Let's <laughs> do that one again. Let's do that one again. Play the hits. So this, <laughs> this book is not about just... This book is not as bad about just playing the hits as uh, the, the X-Wing books are. No, nothing could ever but, be that bad. Well, I guess I'm... You well, know, I'm going to go ahead and say some other things are. <laughs> the, where I really felt it... Was when, for no reason, uh, Luke thinks to himself, 
wow, when I went into that cave and saw a vision of my dad, that was really fucked up. I guess I have to make this a plot point now. Let me go back to Dagobah. <laughs> so, the thing is, is that the Stackpole ones are really bad. Yes. But the, the, the Zon poles for quotes and recreations are weird. <laughs> and I don't know why he picks like, oh, I'm going to have Lando be introduced the same way with, with like Han getting trouble from the guards or whatever. Like, yeah. Why does Han, why is I don't have time to discuss this in a committee, like a running joke between Han and Leia? <laughs> Aggressive why is that the pull that you went with? <laughs> it is strange. I mean, that stuff is weird because like, I'm going to be honest about Han Solo, the character Han Solo. He has no business being in Star Wars! Um, yeah. Like, after Star Wars happens, he has barely any business being in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, he has triple no business being in um, uh, Return <laughs> of the Jedi. And they he has him a general. nothing to do now! <laughs> what? He, you could just made him, like, Leia's husband and checked in on him occasionally and have him do nothing. Like, he doesn't have to be a main character, but unfortunately, Han Solo is... Uh, like an important character to Star Wars so must be important in the plots even though he has no insights he's not even a smuggler anymore he's not a good general uh, he's not interesting um, there's nothing to th- this is so this is why they immediately like you know in the in this trilogy and then the next one they pull the court they break the glass that is dadification if we don't have anything for this guy to do yes. we can make him a dad and make him <laughs> make his arc about being a dad but well and <laughs> They, they the could do that in a different that... way. They could, like, skip it 15 years and make him actually old and sad, but they don't do that either. <laughs> the thing is that, like, it, it's very easy to imagine a world where, like, after the first movie, Han Solo doesn't matter, except that Harrison Ford is, like, very attractive yeah. and very charming, and so because Harrison Ford matters, Han Solo matters. Well, even then, it's like, oh, he dies at the end of Empire. Like yeah. that's that is the obvious thing, and but he was too popular. Yeah, you can't. He's fucking Harrison Ford. You need to get him back in this movie. Are you kidding me? Can you imagine if <laughs> if Jedi just didn't have that first scene, that first like chunk at Jabba's palace? How do you make a movie out of what the, like fu- forty minutes that are left? <laughs> what if they just fucked off and left him there? <laughs> what if they had written it so that he died? Yeah, or whatever. And it's like I don't even know what Return of the Jedi is without. Like, it's 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 a I would call that a thin movie. Yeah, as is yeah. Um, everything with Luke is really good, and then the rest of the movie is padding at best. Um, can we talk very briefly because we're here? Like, it's so funny that Mara Jade is secretly inserted into the Jabba's palace scene. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, my OC was there the whole time. I promise. Which is funny because a that's running what trend. Stack- that's what Stackpole is going to do. Yes. With, because Cornhorn is in this book. Cornhorn is in this book. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Tell me if you can spot it. No, no. So what happens is that in one scene, um, Wedge, in the big battle scene at the end, I think, Wedge is like, Rogue 5, do you copy? And Rogue 5 says something back. And that's Cornhorn. <laughs> Great job. I'm pretty sure. Can I get a can I get a confirmation from Wikipedia about it, what I, his number was? 
Just like Control F Rogue Five. I did. Oh, and it didn't come up. Uh, well, while you look for that, I guess I will agree that like Han Solo, devoid of like we've cast one of the most charismatic actors of our generation to play him, and just having like a B tier writer put in quips in your book is such a bad character. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care sucks. about this man. Is at least Luke has like you know he is an earnest nice guy who uh wants to do the right thing is a moron uh and has the weight of like the expectation of uh jedi who turned him into a weapon but have now gone uh, and also like understands the like force more than anyone else even though he doesn't understand it at all but has to like pretend to like teach people when he's not even confident himself it's like the stuff there like it's a good character protagonist yeah um it's just a guy <laughs> <laughs> his whole character is that he's the one who's just a guy who wanders into this wizard shit uh, I will issue a correction it was Gavin Darklighter yes oh. <laughs> it was fucking 17 year old Gavin Darklighter at this point <laughs> uh, let's see Gavin Darklighter was born 10 BBY so no it was 19. 15 year old Gavin Darklighter well no, Wait, no this, because so this is this, this is, is after the Air of the Empire. Five after, right? Yeah, yeah, and and X Wing is before this. This is nine but, ABY. Jedi's already was, six ABY. If Gavin is born ten years before the Battle of Yavin, so he's nineteen. And the 19. book happens five years after the Battle of Yavin. No, it doesn't. It happens five years after the Battle of Endor. You've yeah, you have Endor. fucked up Star Wars. You've done the the most. You've gone so far into <laughs> Star Wars that you've made the like most basic Star Wars mistake. <laughs> The only winning move is not to play. <laughs> switching they franchises. Should, they should just... We're switching to Ultima. <laughs> they just need to make the calendar the formation of the Republic and just, like, make everything else made-up numbers relative... Because having to remember that the year zero is right in the middle of the book, is right in the middle of the series, sucks. It will always suck. Yeah, it should, well, the should be in. I mean, no, because that one makes even less sense. I've got the Lothal calendar from the planet <laughs> of Lothal. <laughs> um, so year zero is introduced. Uh, let's see, the invasion of Naboo is in thirty-two forty-five ly. Uh, the Clone Wars and the ba- first Battle of Geonosis happens in thirty-two fifty-five ly. We can do this. You want? Yes. To- this is what I want. That's better. That's much. <laughs> Battle of Yavin is thirty-two seventy-seven because, you know. Yeah, that's that's better oh, than having it like oh. a number in the middle that is relative. Yes. What if what if it was double o seventy-seven? Dumb. Star Wars double o seventy-seven. Um. What else? What else? What else? We could talk about Mara Jade if we want. I guess we, we haven't really it. talked about Mara Jade. We haven't talked about Melon. We haven't really talked about Talon Card other than like every every Star Wars guy starts making Talon Card into his own. Like Talon Card becomes like the end point for most of the smuggler classes in the tabletop and video games. Yeah, they come out <laughs> later. Um, this... As just the guy who. Oh, you finish. Just the guy who like runs underworld shit, but mm. is also like principled about it. Yeah, this is yeah. This is the big the most... thing is that he's principled, and so it makes him cooler. Mm-hmm. 
it, this is one of the most uh, bits of the like you can see the RPG influence because me personally I've never thought watching Star Wars that like smugglers are a huge part of it Han is but <laughs> that's like saying that like uh, moisture farmers are a huge part of Star Wars because Luke's a moisture farmer to me <laughs> like that's that's what is, but no of course smugglers are class in the TTRPG so smuggler has like its whole world building and tree and we have to know what the underworld's doing so the underworld of Star Wars is massively important to the lore in the first EU text so building out from there Star Wars is the most important like, it's, and, like I understand like Jabba's involved in the movies so it is like a big element of the movies but I just don't think of it even slightly as mattering to Star Wars in that way this is probably being prequel brained i think Um, it's a little bit being prequel brained because also i think of it as a like i think of smugglers and bounty hunters as a huge part of star wars but that's because that's entirely because i have dave filoni brain and i watch way too much clone wars and like dave filoni uh, like reading this book for the first time just like totally like Oh, he's a fucking hack. He's just doing he's just doing Zon shit over and over. The difference is that scoundrels and bounty hunters are the un, are the underworld classes and they're good or bad. Yes. Just like Jedi and Sith and rebel and officer or whatever the empire <laughs> thing. Like like yeah. they always have to match up. You always have to have like soldier guy good or bad, Jedi yeah. good or bad, scoundrel or like criminal good or bad. And so like I can map so much talent card shit onto shit that happens in Clone Wars, and that's why I think of, like, the criminal element as such a big part of Star Wars, is because, like, at some point, like, Dave Filoni forgets to write anything other than the criminal shit. (laughs) (laughs) The Bounty Hunter stuff really, I like, from what I have seen, seems to kind of take over a big chunk of the Clone Wars. Which, to be fair, it's good. Yeah. Like, it's Cad good. Cad Bane's cool. Yeah, Cad Bane fucking rules. I love that guy. But it is, like, a good, like, 80% of the TV show after season three or four. That's weird, because I only got up to season three, like, the, uh, introducing the bounty hunter. Yeah, like, once... I, once Cad Bane, like, become... Like, once he gets introduced, they gradually promote him to, like, main cast. That's just too and, like, much. The, that symbol becomes, like, the thing that you buy on your backpacks. Yeah. The bounty Hunters. It's like a faction. Yeah. And it's they... so weird. I don't get it. Which is funny because, like, we talk, you talk about being prequels brained. Like, the only criminal element in the prequels is, like, two hitmen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is Dooku hiring a guy to hire a guy to hire a guy? The entire you... planet of Tatooine. Excuse me. <laughs> But they like, do go to uh, Tatooine and they have the like the whole race and everything. Like they do go. Oh yeah, they do do that. I guess they do say yes. we're not here to free slaves. Uh, <laughs> but there's no there's no like character that is like right. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's no, no there's no talent card. Like, like technically, like everyone's following the law. It's just that it's hut law. Yeah, that's true. Like, like yeah, I mean, prequels Star Wars, and this is why I like it, is because it is like a series of world building situations about big states and powers like balancing off each other. Every Clone Wars episode is about they go to a place and then like they have to negotiate for oh we've got to deal with this, so we've got you know the movies about oh we've got to get the space lanes from the huts, which doesn't make any sense uh, as to where they are, <laughs> but whatever, we'll mm-hmm. we'll accept that for now. Um, Look, the Light of the Jedi stuff is doing lots of stuff with hyper lanes and shit that's just right dumb it's but, interesting but <laughs> but it's like 
a series of powers negotiating like through conflict what the like map of space is going to look like that is not how bounty hunters are introduced in empire they're just like guys that the empire have hired that are cooler um Mm -hmm. it is not made clear in empire because at this point star wars has no interest in politics in any shape or form other than like being a broad metaphor like for (laughs) someone actually being a metaphor for the vietnam war i know uh but it's not like interested while it is interested in the symbols of politics it isn't interested in the like process of what it means to like define a person as a soldier or a commander or a like bounty hunter right like the clone wars is about those definitions of people as uh, like uh put on by the state that is the republic that doesn't exist in star wars and that doesn't exist in air to the empire because it is building from the movies star wars <laughs> the star wars trilogy yeah. maybe you've and heard like, of it <laughs> i know the answer to this is like maybe i should just like go read the fucking legend of the galactic heroes or whatever but Yo, like if you want some tactics that... <laughs> the thing that is a bummer to me about Star Wars as a lover of, like, fantasy and science fiction of this type is that, like, the way that, like, Fast and the Light Travel works in Star Wars means that you're never going to get the book that is about, like, alright, the, the, um, Empire controls this territory and the New Republic controls this territory and, like, like, that is, like, things that are, like, gestured towards but because anywhere can be anything at the speed of plot like it doesn't like it doesn't play it doesn't really work whereas if like if it was a trek to get from a trek among the stars imperial territory to new republic territory those things would matter more you can't have a trek in the stars you can't you can't do that no you're an astronaut yeah like and this book tries to get closest to that because um that's what Thrawn's doing. Like Thrawn's plots are written in that way, but they have to be kept vague enough and about specific maneuvers and individual encounters and at most like resource gathering. Uh, right. It can't be about territory, which right. is like the stuff that is makes that like interesting and like the, the battle has to be about like, oh, can he get the ships and can they blow this up and not is he gonna take this one city? that would like change the map of the war and then he could attack these places right like it's built of a a tabletop game not a grand strategy game (laughs) (laughs) which is funny because like the x-wing books were more about that because like in order to get to coruscant we have to get a staging area on this planet Mm -hmm. we have to capture this planet in book one so in the next one then we can capture coruscant yeah which is still like vague and not that invested in that idea, but it is present. <laughs> Whereas this book is just Thrawn saying, I'm going to poke at a bunch of different ships, and then when they all go to get repaired at the same time, I'm gonna go there and steal all of them. Yeah. And that's the, that's his plan. And it's like a cool plan because it makes sense. It's like a good series of moves that are understandable mm-hmm. and like has a twist to it. It all comes together in a cool way. But it is definitely like trying really hard to do the work of tactics in a like in a universe where anything can be anywhere at any time for any reason. Ron <laughs> has an aura. That creates <laughs> tactics. And if you're in a Thrawn book, tactics can happen. <laughs> but everywhere else, you'll just zoom through space and you'll get wherever you need to go, when, whenever you need to get there. Like, aside from, like, 
the two seconds that Luke's hyperdrive breaks. Like, can I just point out for a second that about seven minutes ago we were like, I guess we should talk about Mara Jade, and then instead <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> I think we should talk about Mara Jane. Me, four minutes later. Yeah, I think that we have to understand that the uh, criminal is defined by the state. Uh, <laughs> as a class of person that is created uh, with a series of interests. Uh, and one of the classes of people is Redhead. Uh, <laughs> Redheads are created by the state. But Mara Jade's so funny because basically her plotline is... Luke messed up my whole shit, so I had to respect from uh, Sith to um, criminal. I don't have. <laughs> okay, I was a, I was an Imperial agent, and I have all these skills, and now I'm being like, now that's my backstory, but it's not very congruous with the campaign because uh, all that shit got blown up. So now all my skills are weird, and they don't really match the career that I'm on. I, until anyway. you said, I knew about the tabletop game, but until you've like put it together in this podcast, I'd never realized how easily mapped onto like <laughs> <laughs> Zahn went through the character creation sheet for all these characters <laughs> and put them into a campaign. So Mara Jade was the Emperor's Hand, which is not clearly defined in this book, but we'll get way more lore about that as we move on through this podcast. It really felt like, as I was reading, I was like, oh, this is something that will be explained in great detail at some point. We will probably have multiple POV characters throughout many books. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, she was a secret agent working directly for the Emperor, which means that she's not really in... Like, the chain of command, nobody knows about her, which means that when the Emperor died, she lost every, like, contact and every resource available to her. Because, like, who the fuck is going to believe you when you show up and you're like, oh, I was a secret guy. Mm -hmm. I was so secret, no one (laughs) knew about me. (laughs) Which, when I first read it, was like, that's really dumb. Why wouldn't Palpatine give her, like, literally any sort of, like, you know contact within like the government and then i was like that's an extremely palpatine that is what he does to everybody (laughs) zon didn't know it but he was on to something depending on the author he he makes vader have bad robot parts so that he can control him better yeah depending on the author but um so she's upset because she wanted to kill him on uh Tatooine in Return of the Jedi. But Jamba, she was like undercover as a dancer, and Jamba wouldn't let her go. I forgot about that! <laughs> Jamba was too sexist and wouldn't let her go on the execution, and so that's why Luke Skywalker was able to escape. And if if Mara Jade were there, he would have died. We had to go back to Dagobah just to just to show you how cool Mara Jade could have been if she was in the movie. What? Also to get the beacon that's probably related to the katana fleet, I'm yeah. guessing. I don't remember, but that's all made um, up plot stuff, though. Like he, he <laughs> it's a book. The beacon's not real. The planet's not real. What's real is the movie Return of the Jedi from 1983, and you have to understand that my made-up character was definitely in it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna look up Mara Jade, uh, a- Return of the Jedi. Somebody should write a new novelization of Return of the Jedi that mentions her. <laughs> so all these pictures, like picturing where, like which one, which person she would be. <laughs> yeah, 
Here's someone claiming this person. Oh, there's Dengar. <laughs> People combing through. I this is how Gundam. we came to the conclusion that, and this was eventually made canon. That the guy with the beard in um, Return of the Jedi is a is a character. Great. What? It's you know what. <laughs> that's a character from another thing and people were like oh is that this guy and then eventually dave filoni was like yeah yeah this that's is real. dumb the thing about googling mara jade yes is that it is a like uh demonstration a perfect demonstration of how many ways there are to be horny about what you would assume to be a small niche. Um, <laughs> but every single drawing is like horny for a mean big tit redhead in a different way. It's incredible. <laughs> Don't forget the bodysuit. It's important. The bodysuit is important. The bodysuit is important. To some Look, people, but I, not to everyone. <laughs> I'm not going to stand for this slander. Mm-hmm. People are allowed to be horny for big tit redheads who are mean. <laughs> I wasn't saying this as like a negative. I'm saying that there's a wide spectrum here. Yeah, what I'm seeing is that if it's not jumpsuit or bodysuit, it's uniform. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uniform. Yeah. Um, also, here's a picture of Mara Jade next to William Shatner, and I don't know why. Here's the funniest picture, which is I'm just gonna I'm just gonna post it in the in the um. <laughs> <laughs> is it the one where Luke and Mara are about to kiss in a field? No, it's funnier than that. I don't know. Luke looks really hungry. Oh, this is great! Droid <laughs> cuz. <laughs> oh, I know what book this is from, I think. This is no Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade lightsabers out facing down a droidica. Why does she hold her lightsaber like that? It's, uh, what, it's Form 6 for- or whatever. Look. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, obviously that's that's form six. <laughs> There's gonna be a great book way later on where um, Luke has to deal with a bunch of prequel shit. Okay, that sounds pretty good yeah. actually. Then he has to deal with like battle droids and shit. Yeah, <laughs> is he any match for Droidicus? I don't know. We have not I... met a Jedi yet who has been a match for a Droidica. <laughs> <laughs> that is important. Maybe at some point in uh, in the 3D Clone Wars cartoon, someone has to fight a Droidica and wins. But at in terms of the Star Wars I've seen, no Jedi has beaten a Droidica. Which I think raises... they kill a Droidicas in like the movie of Clone Wars, right? Oh, they might do. I don't remember. Oh, right. Oh, my main memory and... is that Qui Gon and Obi Wan fuck off. <laughs> They're like <laughs> they Droidicas. use the Force speed power. <laughs> they do use the Force speed power from Jedi Outcasts. <laughs> That's the. Other... I'm glad that uh, Jackson and I have the same reference point for this, which is Jedi Outcast. <laughs> Uh, you would go in and you type in all the cheat codes so that you could play the multiplayer with all the fucking stats, and you would just do ridiculous force shit. So this um, is the stuff I don't. Well, Nora has just put another image in the chat, <laughs> which is uh, Luke Skywalker and Mara Jade about to kiss. But as we've established, Mara Jade is like a mean, big-titted redhead. That's, that's like the type. Then you know, got a got a bodysuit. Uh, we got this has been like. So I like I like the idea. Of women, I guess. But I. what if it was like, we took away all of that personality and made it, like, big trad. <laughs> well, and... You, you finish, you finish. No, that's that's it. Oh, I was just gonna say, the, the image is also funny because Mara Jade looks like, like a, like a fictional character. Like, she looks like a character who does not, like, exist in reality. 
And then Luke Skywalker looks like Mark Hamill, who <laughs> has to be like lovingly di- rendered as Mark Hamill, and not just like the suggestion of Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> so there's an article here from Screen Rant that I misread, and I thought was going to be very funny. The headline is Star Wars Theory: Mara Jade will solve Luke's lightsaber plot hole. I thought it was going to say Luke's lightsaber problem. <laughs> Uh, Mara Jade is uh, fixing Luke's lightsaber <laughs> plot every day. <laughs> but um, my favorite is uh, the pictures of Mara Jade that are clearly like photographs of someone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they had like actors to do this in the nineties. Well, that's the the funny thing is that um, Timothy Zahn and um, Michael Stackpole. Oh, this image. As- <laughs> Where is that image? There's an image uh, of uh, Timothy Zahn uh, and Michael Stackpole as like um, I think Zahn is Card and, and Stackpole and, must be Corrin Horn. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they no. have the official Lucasfilm paid for model to play Mara Jade. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Yeah, there it is. Oh my god. This is that's, amazing. That's Corrin Horn right there. This sucks. This sucks. sucks. I'm tired of this guy. Once again, we didn't actually talk about Mara Jade in this book. (laughs) (laughs) We've been talking about her. She got her whole shit, like, she lost it. She lost the whole shit. Um, She goes through the Jedi for the the Jedi. She goes to the jungle with Luke as they, like, escape, but he's like, oh, I'm definitely your prisoner. (laughs) It's basically what Luke's doing the whole time. (laughs) And even if I didn't know that these two are, like, going to hook up someday, it's so obvious. Luke is kind of just walking through the forest like, oh no, I hope I don't get pegged by a mean big (laughs) (laughs) thing. No. This is like opposite attract. Uh, oh no, I hate um <laughs> I hate when big tinted redheads uh, peg me. <laughs> and also uh there's the there's the part where like she has his weapons and like is is not sleeping and she like is like trying to focus because uh, she's like stayed up for three days straight on caffeine pills. She's like trying to focus and like cut down some vines with his lightsaber. And then after she does it, he's like, "Oh, so you you've used a lightsaber before?" <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she's definitely like basically a Sith, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she like can use a lightsaber. She can use the Force. Yeah. Uh, well, she can't in this book because of the. Salamiri, but yeah, I'm pretty sure she's just like a whole like dark side force, dark Jedi mm-hmm. girl. Um, <laughs> you you finish what you're saying. No, that did remind me. Should we talk about Jeru Sabayoth at all? He's kind of crazy. So yeah, uh, I don't know if anyone's read Batman. <laughs> What's that? Uh, I'm, so, I'm familiar. Uh, but I'm there's a character called the Joker, <laughs> <laughs> who seems to find the idea of crime almost funny. <laughs> well, that's so sick. That's so sick. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Joseph Smith is going Joker mode at all times. Like, just... okay, the the funniest line in this whole book, besides um, besides Pelion saying, "Sometimes expensive can also mean costly." <laughs> uh, <laughs> The, the second funniest line of this whole book is 
is Sabayoth what what does he say? No. Um uh it's after Sabayoth's first scene and Thrawn and Pelion are talking about their first impressions of him and Thrawn is casually like, "Oh, well he's obviously a clone." Notice the telltale mispronunciation of the name Joris. <laughs> <laughs> Which, when I guess when you read it, Joris Sabaoth. <laughs> Joris Sabaoth. The other funny thing about this is that, like, Zahn tries to, like, write backwards into prequel shit, and, like, just totally, like, none of this makes any sense in, in what we know of the prequels. Oh, now, we need but... to read um, Outbound Flight one day then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. Um,. So Sabayoth, it's linked with another book where out like about outbound flight. It's like the, it's not the, it's like the hand of Thrawn or something. It's like uh, there's like two other sets of Thrawn related books. Okay. Mm. Um. So yeah, Thrawn uh, or Sabayoth was a Jedi during um the the days of the Republic. It was like a super mega cool Jedi that everybody was like so into, and um. Then Jeruus is a clone, and <laughs> Zahn, not knowing what the Clone Wars actually are, is really funny. So he's like, oh yeah, when you make a clone, you just spell their name with an extra vowel somewhere. Because <laughs> the early clones were unstable. Mm-hmm. And so, because he's a, such an old clone... He's gone he, he crazy. Doesn't, he doesn't really, you know, they, they misspeak. Mm. That's how you know that someone's a clone. It's, if they have a uh, speech impediment, that's so weird. <laughs> and also, the Wookiee speech thing is a lot. Yeah, where the one guy that Leia meets, who she can actually understand speaking. Anyone want to say the name of the uh, nope. Wookiee language? Not really. No, um, I, I don't remember it, but I feel I have a feeling it's bad. Shriuk, I think it's from Death Note. Uh, The reason that she can understand that guy is because he has basically like a lisp that makes it easier for other species to understand their language. Oh, I forgot this detail. There's some real classic, like, even in, uh, you know, not even the wrong word, but like, the further we get from George, the more people are still inventing new racisms. (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's not mm-hmm. like it's all coming from one source everyone who touched star wars makes it racist in a new way <laughs> it's so true like feloni does his is doing his part yeah i'm doing my part feloni is putting in overtime in bringing new <laughs> types of racism to star wars yeah, every day. I've seen. <laughs> um, i'm just like trying to figure out what that other where when luke fights droidicas I think it's the... I think there might be these Zon books, maybe. Oh. Uh, oh, that's a Stormtrooper. I feel it's... like if we're Googling other books that uh, Timothy Zahn did, maybe we're... <laughs> we, we, are we, this are has we been a here? very unstructured like reaction to this book, partially because that's what happens whenever us three go on a podcast, but also, <laughs> also because uh, nothing happens in this book. Everything's set nothing up. Nothing happens. Um, the, the climax, like... You know, Thrawn gets to the shipyard because they're all making repairs, and then they stop him, and he's like, "Ah, I have been foiled, but it's okay. I've got a second plan." Um, 
because that's how my stuff works. And you're like, this oh. was merely a prelude to my machinations. <laughs> <laughs> my machinations lay undetected for years. <laughs> That's the limit of my ability. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, and make it do... as beautiful as me. <laughs> uh, I'm that? going to check the email real quick. <laughs> anyway, the book ends. The book just ends. That's my point. It's not, the book it's just. Not I remember about. the first time reading this book, like checking. Um, and seeing like oh i don't have much time in this book i wonder how they're gonna wrap it up in a satisfying way like <laughs> I, I feel like everything's spinning out of control and like this not gonna end like I, I i i was like he's only got like 30 minutes to like wrap this up and the answer is he doesn't he just yeah. doesn't he doesn't put an ending it's in book the book one. <laughs> now to be fair uh, i have never read a single uh expanded universe book for literally any series that has had an ending <laughs> even uh, like the what? good ones were that are like you know decent and technically have good endings have like the okay final boss over roll credits ending uh because you know the answer is to buy the next book right i yeah i guess i was yeah. expecting i guess i was expecting a new hope which has an ending yes and also has open space for something next and this is not that. but the thing you gotta remember it's something that won't really come up that much but when you buy this book when you buy any given Star Wars EU book at the time, mm-hmm. there's a good chance there's three or four different samples, especially now with the Legends branding. Yeah, the Legends. They'll have sample chapters of four or five other books at the end of the book. Yeah, Because they really want you to keep going. Keep getting, here's, oh, here's a Jedi one. Do you want some Jedi shit? And here's like. I do want some Jedi shit is the thing. Well, after we finish the Thrawn trilogy, we can have some Jedi shit. <laughs> Yeah, eat your I, vegetables. I, I was about to say, like, fine, I'll eat my fucking carrots. <laughs> we got emails. We got emails. emails. You, you can send your emails to dianogasquadron at gmail.com. First one comes in from Alex. Uh, you've probably gotten a lot of messages about people's nostalgia transforming the X-Wing series into schlocky Top Gun when the reality is this is the series is pretty fashion horny. Stackpole is also written for things like Battletech, where he's known for Stackpole's only side plot. You might be familiar with what it is. I don't off the top of my head, I don't know what it is. I, I have a guess. Yeah? <laughs> it's probably horny. Oh. It's probably once you take him out of Star Wars and into a place where he can just let shit loose, like mm. Listening to the series is just my longest oh no ever. For the longest time I considered I Jedi to be the horny one, but it seems the horny was always there waiting to be noticed and humiliated. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope that Aaron Alston's work fares better on the Riri, at least. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll know someday. Someday. Uh, questions. Will you read the Jedi Prince series? I think the Jedi Prince... Those are some, like... Those are, like, some children's novels, right? That's... I misspelled... You misspelled Prince. Yeah. Uh, Jedi Prince... Yeah, these are some YA books from back Th- the These day. are younger than YA books. These are, like, children's novels. Well, n- they are... Whatever. They're not chil- They're not Jedi Apprentice. This okay. is not the Jude Watson stuff. Okay. Um, probably. If I have it, I will read it. Um, those will probably be like... Those are pretty short, I think. Mm-hmm. So if they're the size, I think I might do multiple books in a podcast. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Uh, now that we're getting a Rogue Squadron movie, how do you view your rereads of these novels? I don't... 
That's going to be a totally different thing. It's, it's so funny how much Disney has nuked the EU only to do the EU again. It's yeah. really funny. They just want to reset the table with their own silverware. Yeah, but then they, like, bring back a bunch of dumb EU shit, like... Uh, it's the same fucking... people making it. It's still Star Wars fans. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's just really funny that they brought back all the same shit. Like, like, like the fact that... Because this was going around in the news recently or whatever, like... Palpatine has Luke's hand somewhere on the Death Star <laughs> for no reason, or like, I, I I don't know anything about this, but everybody's saying that Rise of Skywalker is just a ripoff of the Dark Empire books or something. We we'll, might read that at some point. Yeah, uh, those are comics. Oh, okay. I think there's also a book and a game. Sure. No, you think of Shadows of the Empire? Maybe. I think, I think, I think, I think of Shadows, Shadows of the Empire. Of the Empire. Have you seen the hilarious announcement trailer for the Rogue Squadron movie? No. No, we're so out on Disney Star Wars right now. Uh, if, you, if you could get audio of Q&A panels from Stackpole, Zahn, Alston, and Anderson about writing these early EU books, would you be interested? No, they seem like boring guys. I would be interested. Okay. I'd listen. I'd see what, what they were <laughs> all about. Um, yeah. Autumn, do you want to take... This one. From Dan. Sure. Hey, Nora and secret guest host. Joke's on you, bitch. It's two secret guest hosts. Uh, you went to another tab, so now I can't read the email. Uh. <laughs> um, looking forward to the pod. I remember liking the X-Wing books as a teen, though in hindsight, after re-listening to the audiobooks, I really only remembered events in Wraith Squadron. I do remember never liking Corrin and finding that yet another pilot with a secret force sensitive with a lightsaber was super annoying. I also recall I, Jedi, being super bad. So I am really curious if you're going to pick up that disaster. And on re-listen, he is even worse because I had forgotten that he was such a shitty cop from the jump. Anyway, this book is bad. The whole premise of the rogues having to resign and go AWOL because the Republican won't, the Republic <laughs> won't go after Assad, and then they end up taking an out an SSD with basically a bunch of freighters and a huge stockpile of torpedoes and a laser targeter is just so dumb. Is this all stuff from yeah? This the is book back to war. This, this is back to war questions. People, people <laughs> wrote us back to war questions that we a month ago. Yeah, that we didn't. We didn't read that book, and now we're yeah. reading these on air? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Shaking my head over Read here. the next sentence. Anyway, I hope you do the Thrawn trilogy at some point. I've well, got great what? news! <laughs> I feel like it would be better to stop announcing what the next book is. <laughs> just just to give yourself the space. To, you know. It's fine. I know what the next five books are. You knew what the next eight books were at one point. <laughs> yeah, well, I know these books, and I know they're the ways that they're bad, and that's fine. That's true. That's all for that email from Dan. Thanks, Dan. There's one more thing. Oh, anyway, keep it Dianogio. <laughs> Dianogio. Thank you. Sorry, Jackson. I have sent you the next email. You have. Uh, I was looking forward to the rest of the X-Men retrospective from what I remember it only gets worth. So on to Timothy's on. That's so true. This one's from Alex again. 
I love these books back in the day. My favorite element of the series is how Luke is portrayed as someone deeply out of his depth and feeling like an imposter. We did mention that. Good job. We, yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I think it was after reading this that I realized books could have a different <clears throat> quality of writing. <laughs> I that's really very relatable. Being a kid and realizing that oh, there's like there's good books and bad books. <laughs> there's like differences was- in the words and not just like when- the ideas of the story. I am six. What- when I was young, it was like I didn't know that people didn't like the prequels. Right. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that people didn't like Twilight. Yeah, that was the that was the big thing for me was finding out that people didn't like Twilight. That was it, like a It was Twilight world. and Aragon at the same time. Uh, finding out people didn't like uh Twilight really like changed my whole world on some <laughs> level. For me it was finding out people didn't <clears throat> like Sonic Heroes. Those people are still wrong. <laughs> Fuck those people. Uh, comparing the trilogy with something like Crystal Star and Dark Saber is disheartening. That's so true. I mean, th- I, I think Zahn's writing style is definitely better than Stackpiles, but it is hilariously present at all times. Like, as yeah. someone will say, like, you know, he nodded, the other returned his gaze. I'm like, stop, no mm. one says that. No one says the other to mean the other person. I understand, the, I understand it is a thing done in English. No one does that, Timothy. <laughs> um, okay, we got some questions here. Do you think Han and Leia would have children if they knew how prone to kidnapping they would be in the future? Uh, they're already being kidnapped and they haven't even been born. <laughs> <laughs> People have kids for all sorts of dumb reasons. Like, no one's going to stop straight people from fucking. No one. <laughs> Absolutely no one. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, would you wear the Mara Jade outfits? Yeah, I I'd love sure. to be. I love to be sexy. That would be great. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember her outfit as described in this book, but but I, I assume this means uh, the outfit that is in all these pictures. <laughs> yeah, cat suit. Yeah. <laughs> you mean a, a loth cat suit? What the fuck is a loth cat? You know, like a loth cat. Like from what the Lothal? fuck is a loth cat? It's a funny little guy. Here's look the problem. At this guy. Oh, look at him. So here's the problem. Oh, I love him. Um, he was also in Mandalorian, so he's in live action now. Okay. Uh, when it comes to um, the Mara Jade outfit, uh, is it has been ruined in the modern day because people would just think of doing Black Widow cosplay. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's why the purple lightsaber is necessary. <laughs> if you put the, the the imperial insignia on your bodysuit, then if you have to label your cosplay with what it is, culture has changed. Uh, and that's every superhero, though. I guess they have that's a symbol. True. Um, and one more question: If Twitter was the only information Thrawn had to go on before attacking Earth, how well would it go? So we're going to race science the human race by the lens of Twitter. It really well, depends I what think tweets it would actually, he's got. <laughs> I think it would actually go really well, because if you had Twitter, there's a lot on Twitter. Like, just by sheer volume, you know? And, like, because he is canonically good at, at race science, I think he could just figure us out, because he Wait. would just have so much information to go <laughs> on. What if... Here we go. I have going to write this. So... <laughs> I, the pl- I, I need Thrawn's attacking Earth, right? And we're like, <laughs> we have to defeat Thrawn somehow. And the way you defeat Thrawn is that there's so much contradictory culture out there that he can't figure out what is happening. Uh... And so you overload Thrawn's superpower 
And uh, this is why he loses when he scans Twitter. Twitter's not art! <laughs> <laughs> he, he knows art. He doesn't know, like... Oh my god, so you're proposing that, that Thrawn watches Star Wars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thrawn reads the Thrawn trilogy. No, in no. 2021, Thrawn watches the MCU. To understand, like, and, <laughs> and that'll that'll get you there. That'll get you like seventy percent. Oh my god! Well, I guess you're right. <laughs> Thrawn watches the MCU and Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> you're so right. Game of Thrones, <laughs> Pallium. This shot should be taught in film school. <laughs> <laughs> We got another email in from Kieran. I'm currently listening to the part where Blue Space Nazi Sherlock figures out the goodies plan to split up and send Leia to Kashyyyk. That's a wild scene. He watches the two ships dock oh for like my three God. minutes and deduces their entire plan. <laughs> Not since Death Note have we had levels of, okay, I know next, the plots. <laughs> the next sentence the of the plot. email, what is this just according to Keikaku Brig Brain nonsense? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, maybe I was too busy spreading jam on my toes, but I couldn't follow the logic at all. Does Blue Lock get better? <laughs> that sounds like a ship name. Uh, or is he just attention deflating big brain anime villain forever? I mean, that's the I, appeal. The, if you don't so, like this scene, I don't think you like Thrawn, because him seeing a ship and going, ah, you can tell that they want us to think this, but this thing has actually happened, but it could have been one of a million things. Like he's got no reason to think that the possibility spaces are these two things. Uh, I know that Han Solo does not like drawings. If he asks if I'm British, he's definitely the murderer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lastly, is it a clone thing that he doesn't have laser thumbs? Would spell-checked Jorus have laser thumbs? Serious question, What is the misspelt name a clone thing? Yes, it's the mispronunciation. And this is how he's seeding um, Luke. Huh? Luke. Luke. Luke? Luke. <laughs> I'm so excited to figure out how they pronounce this in the audio. Oh, fuck! <laughs> I hadn't even there's considered... Also- there's also the old, um, I don't remember what magazine it was. It was like a it was Star Wars database or some some website or magazine had an April Fool's article about Lu Yuk with three U's. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at Air of the Empire. He does lack thumb lasers. I assume that's because it would look dumb because it would be at a different angle. Yeah, probably. He, he would <laughs> just put his thumbs forward then. Yeah. Um, no, he, um, he burnt down his thumb lasers playing Tetris on the Game Boy. Oh, okay. He got lonely on the planet <laughs> name... Exegol? Nope. <laughs> uh, P.S. Did they really let canonical droid fucker Lando change the voice of 3PO into the lady he's constantly horny for? Yes, that did happen. Yes. Yep. Uh, and Autumn, you want to take our last one? This is also from Dan from when we switched to reading uh, Air to the Empire. No email wasted. <laughs> We're putting we, all these emails in the trash compactor. We got your back to war emails. We're wiping the slate clean. There's no evidence. 
Hope Zon is treating you better. Um, you switching to the Heir of the Empire got me reminiscing about the old West End game source books that came out concurrently with the books, which then got me thinking about how much of the background lore and world info used in the books was from the RPG source books that had been uh, published. We've talked about that, obviously. Everything from frigates to details about lightsabers to zero-g stormtroopers. They fly now. Um, <laughs> they always did. They always did. <laughs> Cox Blaster, they always did. It's it's one of the stupidest lines in Star Wars. Oh, the, the bad guys in Star Wars fly. <laughs> in space. <laughs> so to a kid who had been playing the game for years, every reference showing up in the books was a huge deal to me. Well, I guess this wasn't really a question so much as me revealing how much big a dork I was. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, that's the emails. Can you spell Dianoga Squadron for the listeners? Yeah. Would you? Would you like <laughs> to do that so that they can email the podcast? D-I-A-N-O-G-A Squadron. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we're in the muck, in the trash. I absolutely would not have known how to spell that. So. Dianoga is the garbage monster. I send all my emails to weird Oh, that's just a thing everyone knows. <laughs> everyone knows the Dianoga! No! 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 You go, no! You go, I did not know that had a name! You, you I mean, I knew it had, had a name. I, everything has a fucking name in Star Wars. They use the Force. Wait, I... I, you've told me about them using the force. Is the implication that they use the force to get out of the trash compactor? Uh, no, the one in the trash compactor uses the force to get out of the trash compactor. Oh, because um, like they're, they're calling they're calling Threepio and everyone. No, it, no, no, no! It uses the force to get out of the trash compactor before the Death Star blows up. Maybe I don't remember. What are you talking about? <laughs> Omi. I'm talking about Omi, the force sensitive female Dianoga who lived inside the garbage master three two six. Three two six uh three eight two seven for the Death Star. I hate Star Wars. <laughs> Do you scroll I... down to behind the scenes for me? Mm-hmm. In twenty fifteen, Chuck went Chuck went <laughs> No <laughs> expressed interest in potentially writing stories about um Malakili, uh, Chief Chirpa or Omi. However, he ultimately chose to write about Malakili in his sequel novel Aftermath La- Aftermath Life Dead. Um but Chuck Wendig was going to write a book about Omi, apparently. <laughs> the Force-sensitive Dianoga. So Omi, as a character, is from a certain point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and, what I said was true. It, it, it is not like, you know, canon. Mm-hmm. Like Nobody else is assuming that Omi is real. But in my heart, Omi is real. You love all the fucking... Star Wars weirdos like Grogu and Omi. Wait, 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 wait. Don't is, you bring Grogu? Is the certain point of view book not not canon? No, not that's necessarily. full of shit. Because Tales from the Death Star is canon, or was in the EU. So yes, cow Disney is uh, full of cowards. Is what I'm saying. Yes, yes. Here, I will find. Put make Austin Walker's story canonical. And yeah, there's a specific quote about it being canon or not that I don't remember. Uh, Go to that Reddit post there. Sure uh, got it. Five words she <laughs> wants to hear. 
Here's your exact answer. Twitter.com slash Pablo Hidalgo. tweet doesn't exist. Because Pablo Hidalgo deletes all of his old tweets. Oh, no, he had to lock and delete all his tweets, man. That was a dark day. Here's one of the best parts of modern Star Wars, because basically, (laughs) a bunch like, Star Wars fans would, like, do some stupid shit, and then he would just tweet, so you guys gay or what? And then everything would explode. And I'd have a great time doing the, like, let them fight gif. It was amazing. So... I think the context clues are telling me that the tweet was along the lines of, like, all of these stories are unreliable narrators, so you can't really say whether or not it's real. But Cowards. Uh, Cowards. This is where we... This, this is the type of thing... Um, if only there were some sort of tiered system for, like, <laughs> things that are definitely canon and things that are less canon. If only there was some sort of, like... They will invent D-canon by the end of this decade. <laughs> D-canon. D-canon? Uh, Disney-canon? We should be Gonk Squadron. That's my take. Gonk. But the Dianoga because we're in the trash. Oh, yeah, okay. I always think of Gonk droids as trash droids. I have no reason for believing that. Does anyone know what gonk droids do? They're they're like big batteries. Oh. They're like like big semi-sentient batteries, I think. That makes sense. It's also a little fucked up. It's a little fucked up. But it makes sense in like Star Wars logic, I mean. There's also like, if we want to talk about little Star Wars weirdos, we could talk about Skippy the Jedi droid, or we can end the podcast. We should end the podcast. We should end the podcast, but I'm looking this up and they're like, they they made the gonk droid have less intelligence so that all it could do yes. is stand around and be plugged so, into things they made a sentient slave battery there's there's like droid uh sentience tiers like okay, categories we, ha- we, li- no. we literally have no to- no no there are before we like, can- only that's have- not true yes. that's impossible, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yes so class one is oh uh, droids in, work in the field of mathematics, physics, physical sciences, and medicine. Star Wars is so racist. This is medical droids and things like that. Class 2, a uh, program for engineering and technical sciences. Um, class 2 droids are rarely equipped with basic vocabularies, instead of communicating through binary. This is where astromech droids are. I think um, protocol droids are class 3. Uh, so, so C-3PO is canonically less human. Is more human. Oh. Class one, class 1 is less human. Class okay. 1 is like a computer. Okay, okay. And a medical droid. It's like very, like, intellect, like, mathematic, like, mind shit. Not mm-hmm. so much talking or communicating. Okay. Whereas then you, like, get out of the head into the body with class 2 because they do engineering and other technical stuff and, like, they're altering the world around them. And then class 3 is, like... Uh, servant droids, tutor droids, protocol droids. Class four, you get into like security droids and battle droids and assassin droids. Um, and class five droids are uh, menial labor. Menial labor. This is so fucked. This is. <laughs> I didn't know they did this kind of well, but this is terror. Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars categorize so the racist. sentience of our fictional slaves beings that has been designed so so their sentience won't like inconvenience us. I hate Star Wars so much! Ah! So, under the header classes of droids, the page quote is, well, if droids could think, there'd be none of us here, would there? (laughs) What does that mean? He does say that in the movie where droids think. Um... Uh, you can email the podcast, dianogasquadron at gmail.com 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at neither Nora. Autumn. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. Anything else to plug? No, not today. Jackson. Uh, the only known phrase in Gonkian was Gonk, 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 Coquiana C. However, ba- Baobab Security Directive 51C proclaimed that it not be translated. <laughs> Why do we always do this on a podcast? We'll be back <laughs> next month. You can find me with... at twitter.com slash off. Support the podcast I do at patreon.com slash mapping. Listen to Great Gundam Project. It's good. It's good. You can also support this podcast by going to exportodd.io or patreon.com slash exportaudio. Give us money. Uh, we will make more podcasts. And also you'll get access to, I won't say all, but you'll get access to most of the podcasts early if you go to the Patreon. That's the that's the big benefit, I think, is that like you get everything when it comes out and you can go to the Abnormal Mapping Discord and talk about it because like most of the people there are patrons or most of the people who are talking there are the patrons. The other way around. Yeah. Most of the people who are patrons are talking about it on the Yes. Yeah, yeah there we go. That's what I'm trying to say. <clears throat> and so like if you want to be like, Listen to the episode and talking about it when it comes out. Like, best way to do that is to get it when it comes out, not a week later when no Pit one cares boy. anymore. <laughs> it's an easy one to fill out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's literally a dollar. What were you doing with that dollar? Buying some fucking bubble gum? Fuck you. Nobody buys bubble gum. <laughs> Steal that shit. <laughs> uh, until next time, everyone, kill the Jedi in your head. Oh, is that the sign off? I forgot. Is it head or brain? It's um, definitely bad. No one says, kill the Jedi in your brain. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, the, the phrase is like, kill the cop in your head. Okay, I wasn't, I couldn't remember. As I said it, I was like, is it brain? I want to do some prequel shit on this podcast. I want to do some prequel shit always.